This episode is brought to you by Heaven's Pantry's Excalibur, the vegan brownie that you want every day, no matter what time of day. Working out? Need a pick-me-up? Pick up an Excalibur. Need some breakfast? Don't have time? Pick up an Excalibur. Midnight snack? You're getting a little hungry? Want to go straight to bed but don't want to eat nothing too heavy? Pick up an Excalibur. Use our promo code TALKJUNK69 on Amazon right now and get 10% off every order. Every single order. This episode is also brought to you by Dizzle, the premium liqueur, mango flavor. It is amazing. It mixes with everything. Go to uh, Dizzle, the Dizzle brand on Instagram, and you can find... All sorts of drink recipes on there. Just go to the dizzlebrand.com and you can find out exactly where to get it from. We like Emilio's uh, discount liquor up there in California. They ship right to us and they ship everywhere in the United States. Everywhere. Stay tuned. We got MK McDaniels. Oop, drop the S. McDaniel. Stay tuned. Talking Junk Network, where entertainment lives. Welcome to Talking Junk. I'm your host, Jason Melendez. Live now every week on Friday. Talking Junk. A multitude of professionals in different aspects, different walks of life. You have to come on and talk junk like a normal person. Welcome to Talking Junk, the podcast comes to you live every Friday night on multiple platforms. I'm your host, Jason Melendez, and I have a great guest for you tonight. Her name is MK Daniels. She has a book called Misfit to Heaven. Uh, excuse me. Let me. Doesn't seem to have the full one right here. Misfit in Heaven. Uh, excuse me. Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expact. Uh, she had a near-death experience and somehow ended up taking a journey through hell. Uh, sounds really interesting, right down my alley, uh, right down our alley. So let's just let's bring her right on and see how she uh, went from 40-year uh, real estate expert to walking through the gates of hell. Miss MK, Kathy, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Jason. How are you? I'm doing just fine. A little bit on the tired side, but we'll uh, we'll kick that tonight. Uh huh. So, how's everything over there in Washington? Well, it's too hot, actually. Uh, yeah, generally we have some pretty mild weather up here in Gig Harbor, but it's 91 today. We've had a a heat wave of about uh, a week now. So, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> in Washington. Where's our rain? Darn it! <laughs> oh, I hear you. When I moved down here. Uh, heat wave after heat wave, it seemed like, but that's just regular weather over here. 91 yeah. is a, a walk in the park over here in Florida. <laughs> oh, no, we're not used to it. Nope. 
So a little bit like hell, actually. Oh, um, yeah. Oh. So how can I help your audience tonight? Well, your, your journey seems pretty interesting. And we were wondering how, well, we, we kind of got the gist of how you got to writing your book. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what led you to having your near-death experience? Okay, that happened about 23 years ago. I was in my 50s and I was helping my best friend go through leukemia treatments up in Seattle. I had never been to Washington before. And it was supposed to take two or three months and it ended up taking about nine. And uh, we were all pretty exhausted with the day, day to day, night to night trauma, running him to and from the hospital. And then he died. So uh, I was, you know, distraught, not to mention exhausted. And I caught a flu that was going around very akin to COVID. And uh, I got sick pretty quick and ended up in the hospital. Um, they had to take me from one of those dock in the boxes. I didn't have a pulse. So they put me in a drug-induced coma. They didn't know how to treat ARDS, which is a complex of pneumonia, and it's also called lung failure. Back in those days, they they just kind of hoped you'd recover. There was nothing to, it wasn't something you could give you a drug for. So they put me into this uh, coma, gave me something called white amnesia for my anesthetic, and the doctor said, uh, don't worry, you won't remember a thing. I mean, this is going to just block your brain, so you'll just, you know, go to sleep. Well, uh, I don't remember a thing about uh, the medical procedures for that three weeks I was in the coma, but I went somewhere else and that was uh, not with my brain. Right. You had quite the journey after they put you in that induced coma. Yeah. I don't know when it was, but I became conscious. I mean, I woke up, but it was pitch dark and there was no sound. And uh, I didn't know somebody put me in a closet for a joke or what, but I, I, I was afraid to move because I didn't know if I was standing or sitting. That would have been one hell of a lawsuit if you would have ended up uh, in a closet. So Yeah, I, I've been somewhere, uh, I don't know, in the Bahamas now. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was interesting. But what happened is uh, the scene started to unfold. And uh, just for the record, through this whole thing, I never felt dead. I had no idea that my spirit was someplace else. Uh, it's your spirit is you. That's your personality right. your and who you are. And <clears throat> so I, I hadn't had, you know, a car accident or anything like that. So I didn't know what was going on. Now, are but, you much of a religious person? Yeah, I think that was the problem to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, a cradle Catholic. And from the time I could, you know, walk, I was told there was heaven and there was purgatory and there was hell. And almost everybody was going to end up in purgatory, except maybe, you know, Mother Teresa would probably squeak through. But the rest of us would just have to go to purgatory and get our sins burned off before we could appear before God and pure enough to show up there. So I bought that. I, I believed it. I had no reason not to. I was always in Catholic schools. And and um, so I think I, you know, after 23 years and lots of other 
dead people that I associate, associate with through IONS, the International Association of Near-Death Studies. That's an mouthful. Um, I've come <laughs> to believe that that was a manifestation of my own because I believed it. Because right. God is all loving and all forgiving and never sends anybody to hell. So we're already I, there. We're already there, Kathy. Well, you know what? Right I took my all the hellish experiences that I had on this earth, and there were many. Like you, I've lost a child, and I took that with Sorry, me, and yeah. I blew it up even bigger and made my own hell. Um, I understand that. Yeah. So I just I'm here to tell people skip the trip. You don't have to go to hell, and uh, unless you believe in it and you you choose to go. So it's well, just, that's just the message. When that veil was lifted and your consciousness uh, was awakened during your coma, what was the kind of the first things you've seen after that pitch black? After the pitch black, it started getting lighter and it was kind of a reddish glow. And I thought I was somewhere where the sun was coming up, but uh, it, it, it kind of turned into a foggy, uh, uh, like a I don't know, low fog. I couldn't see through it, but I, I felt warm. It was, it smelled really bad. And then just all of a sudden out of this fog came a horrible voice. It said, uh, do you know where you are? Do you now, know I, where I, you are? There you go. And, you know, of course my hair stood straight up. I'd seen <laughs> one too many Bella Lugosi movies in my life. And I thought, my mind was like going a hundred miles an hour. And I thought, Oh, I hope I'm wrong. I just kind of whispered hell. And then the voice came out of the fog and man, ominous. I was, I freaked, you know, and I just turned and I ran into the darkness. I thought I got to get, you know, get away from whatever that is. Right, put the veil back on. I don't want to. Yeah. Well, whatever he's selling. <laughs> I don't want any. Um, so anyway, that the thing it's interesting. Uh, I've, I've talked to several more, um, near-death experiencers have had the hellish experiences and there's only like one in four or five people actually have that you know us lucky ones and it's interesting but uh, other people uh reported that they had segments that's what i had I, I i would i would awaken or or the lights would go on in like a movie set and a different scene or a different it was just odd and again i didn't know i was dead i just thought I had no idea where I was. I just knew I had to, I had to hide, I'd run, I had to take care of myself. I had to find a way out. Um, you know, I had, I didn't want to get killed down there and uh, right. it was all very disorienting. So I ran into all kinds of characters, uh, some of them demons because it was just no other word for them. And they usually had a job for me, you know, Real a job fun. for you? A job. Oh, yeah. You got a job. <laughs> so this is like, like a video game now. You're going oh, on yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, say what? But uh, the the first one and and this demon, he was a big person, not person, demon. Anyway, he says. Could you, uh, could you make out their figure and their face? Yeah. it. You know, again, I didn't know I was dead. I just thought I I was not in Kansas. That's all I knew. But this, it looked like a big, big foot, you know, big, oh. hairy, ugly but mean. I don't think of Bigfoot as being mean, but he had a big club and I had to look way up to, you know, talk to him. And he says, uh, hey, you want out of here? And I said, uh, yeah. Uh, he says, okay, I can, I can make that happen. And I says, oh, really? You know, I thought, okay, I've got to play up to this guy. 
I says, what, what, what do you want? And he says, well, I got a job. You get the job done. I'll see personally that you get out of here. And I says, oh, okay. Well, what is it? And he, he kind of waved his arm and, and, a, and a, the light came up. And as far as I could see, it was all this huge field of blackberry, black, say that fast three times, blackberry <laughs> vines. And I don't know, up here in Washington, we've got them everywhere and they're, they're real thick and they're, they're gnarly and they got big thorns on them and they just kind of loop on top of each other. It's great in the, in the fall when you go get the blackberries, but other than that, they're a pain and then you know what. So he says, I just need you to cut down that field of blackberries. I said, what? And uh, he says, yeah, that's what I said. I got my hands out and I said, say what? And he says, and he hands me these little kindergarten scissors, you know, the ones that for paper. Yeah. The little safety scissors. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of looked at him like, uh, and he just started laughing. He said, you want out or not? So I thought, okay, I'll play your game sport, you know? So I, yeah, I got down close to the ground as I could with all these thorns and everything. And I start gnawing away on one of these vines, they call them canes. And it took a while and I finally got through the darn thing and I went to put it behind me, but it all scratched up and I turned around and it had grown back. So this guy's laughing. Oh, isn't this funny? And I thought, well, you blank, blank, blank. I'll show you if I have to. I mean, I got nowhere else to go. So I just started cutting again and boom, lights went out, came up in another place. I was like, it got better and better. Uh, In between times, I found myself on this road and it was it was just as far as you could see was nothing. You got that little glow. Did it happen to be yellow bricked? No, I wish (laughs) it was dirt and like broken stones. And uh, every now and then I, 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 it, no signs, you know, so I just went right. It went right or it went left. So uh, the best part about that is I could see if anybody was sneaking up on me. And um, at least I wasn't interacting with some of these very horrible other participants in this. Right. And you don't even know where Bigfoot went. No, I know. I don't. I did not. I did meet his cousin later on and uh, he had carried a, like a truncheon that you use in prisons to beat people. He was in okay. another, another scene and another job offer that I had down there that I refused. But walking along the road, I... What was I, the offer, if I may ask? Oh, do you really want to know? Okay. I The lights come up. And it's really bright, which is strange because it's been very dark down there and dim. And I look forward and it's white walls, white ceiling, white floor, and it smells like a hospital. And there's a door on my left door on my right. I thought, okay, doors are good. So I, I was thinking about, shall I go to the right or the left? And I look up again. And at the end of this really long hall is a really big demon. This one's just as big, just as ugly, but he's got that different kind of club thing. Right. And I thought I got to pick a door, you know? So I went to go to the right and I, I caught out of the corner of my eye that this guy was fast and he was standing right in front of me. And he says, I got a job for you. And I thought, Oh, great. You know? And he says, I want you to go (laughs) to that room and I want you to take what they give you. And then you're going to come across the hall here and you're going to go over on the other side and go in that room and put the object down, come back, Go in this. You got the idea? I says, yes. Right. I do. And I thought, well, if I go in there, there might be other people like me. There might be a back door. You know, let's let's play along. 
So I went in and I'm kind of walking around and there's all these people on gurneys. And I thought, well, it's like a hospital. And and there's stools in front with people sitting on them. And they're, they're the people on the gurneys have their legs splayed and there's uh, uh, white sheets on them, but they're not white. They're dirty and bloody. And, and I thought, what the hell? Straight out of a horror scene. Well, it was. And um, I... I, I was standing there and uh, one of the doctors raised his hand and I, I didn't know. He turned around. He says, get over here. You know, mean guy. So I went over there and he says, here. And so I put my hands out and they were doing abortions on these ladies. And they put wow. this poor little uh, destroyed baby in my hand and said, go, go to the other room. Get, you know, come on. This is your job. So I was a pro-lifer, man, and um, this was not good. <laughs> so I went out in the hall, and I'm looking up at this demon like, I don't believe this. And he says, go to the room. So I went in there, and ah, oh, Jason, it's like a Costco warehouse with piles and piles high of all these little baby bodies. Smelled oh awful. It was horrendous. So I put this little thing down and I went back in the hall and he says, get in there. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. That's awful. It's was that the most grotesque thing that you've seen down there? Yeah. Well, to date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I meant down, down, down in your, uh, your in your, hell. Your, yes. Yeah. Well, that, that was, you know, working up. And so, uh, I, I said, no, I wasn't going to do it. And he says, you're going to be sorry. It's only going to get worse. And he raised that club and I just shut my eyes and boom, I'd find myself in another position or another place or uh, the, the weirdest thing. I've never heard anybody else that's had a, a, a near death experience that saw living people. I saw two of my relatives who are alive down there. Another reason I really didn't get it that I was in spirit form or that I was dead. And it uh, turns out I had to both of these people messages when I got back. Um, it's tough to come up to somebody and say, say, I was in hell. I got a message for you. I saw you there. <laughs> you know, they're not real receptive of that. Um, one of them, uh, she and I kind of, we, you know, I haven't spoken to her now in 23 years. And the other one um, was able to use that information I gave her, even though she thought I was nuts at the time. And came back to me about uh, oh, 12, 13 years later and say, tell me again what, what, what you saw in Helen. Because she says that that was something Helen she was going through at the time. It was a really bad marriage. And uh, I had told her, you know, this is what I saw. You got to get out of that. And so she did finally get the guts to get out of it. And now she's happily married to somebody else. But so that was kind of cool. Um, did you uh, get that reception when you got uh, came out of the, the coma? Did once you told your story, did did it uh, was it met with open arms or was it met with kind of the skeptics? My family did not want to talk about it. My friends did not want to talk about it. Uh, they just said, "Oh, that's you know that oh no." And you know, first of all, you're a good Catholic girl. What were you doing in hell? What were you up to that we didn't know about? And it's like, hey, <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, and then the other thing is, you know, if it happened to me. Well, it could happen to them, so they want to go there. And um, no, it was not talked about. It was told. I was told it was a, a hallucination. It was the drugs I was on. It was a dream. But you know, it it happens in your soul. That's real different. I mean, you forget dreams a day or two. You can't remember them. 
uh, 23 years later is still very fresh because that was in my soul that I experienced that. The doctor had told me I could not physically possibly remember anything that happened in that coma. So he was, you know, he didn't, he didn't know about How, how could he know? Well, he didn't know where I went. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So no, it was not, not, not received well. Um, Did you I, have to talk to a professional after that? Because I, I know that could be kind of daunting to have something you know took place, but yeah. nobody wanted to be told you're crazy, right? Um, I did go to a therapist a couple years later. She says, honey, I have to put PTSD on your chart. I'm sorry. And there's no, I just don't know what to tell you. I mean, anybody that's been to hell and back has PTSD. So, well, of course, especially when you're reliving all the most traumatic parts of your own life oh, over yeah. again. Um, no, that, that didn't work out. I was able to, through a series of synchronicities, finally, 12 years after this happened, find myself going to uh, an IONS meeting in Seattle. And uh, I got online and I checked it out, and it's all these people with. NDEs, whatever that was. And, and, uh, I talked to somebody from there and he says, wow, you know, boo, you know, we've got a scale, you know, all these 15 things you have to, uh, check boxes on. And he says, oh, wow. Not only is, was that a full blown NDE, but it's rare. And, uh, you know, you need to, you need to share that with other people because people don't want to talk about them. We, we don't know what happened. We don't know what the lessons are. Why, why does that happen to some people and, and why not? So they, I, I was over a couple of years, they finally coaxed me into telling my story for the first time in public and in front of all these people, I was 50, 60 people out there staring at me. And, and I, I don't want to do feel? Horrible. I mean, I was just, <laughs> I, I just thought, oh gosh, here's all these people. It's all angels and puppies and, you know, butterflies. And I was in hell. So, but it was interesting because, you I mean, know, hell is, hell is kind of a, I would say a little more of a, a, an exotic experience than seeing the same old, you know, oh, sure. angel rhetoric and right. you know, the whole Gardens, butterflies and flowers. Yeah, right. Flowers and you had a very unique experience. No, but people are always curious if somebody else did it, you know, and they want to kind of. So but but it was great. I had spent years and years just writing this out. You know, I've always been a writer and I just write it out and I put it in a drawer thinking if I could just get this out of my head into paper and put it away. So I had I had I had it almost in story form and I'm a storyteller. So I'm up on the stage. I got I got a captive audience and uh, you could hear a pin drop in that place. Once I got going on it, I told them the whole thing start to finish and that the last chapter what happened and how i got out well their eyes were like bugged waiting for that secret at the end and when i finally told them what happened and recommended that if they were found, found themselves in hell this is how you get out the place erupted with applause i mean everybody was so happy they were thanking me thank you thank you we've always wondered what that was like and and you know but and and you got out and and uh, it was then that, that I started reading a couple of books from other people that had that experience. And, and this one lady, uh, Nancy Evans Bush, she's my saint. And she wrote a book and her bottom line was, why do people have these? She'd had them because they're the brave souls. They go in there and they find out, turn over rocks. And in of our 
psyches and what we've been taught and come back with truths and share those. So we don't all have to experience that on a firsthand basis. And so it felt so good to be termed a brave soul rather than a damned one, which was what I, what I had thought up to that point. So it, it really turned around my thinking on things. I felt redeemed. I felt like I had a message. And so for the last two and a half years, I've been on, you're my 71st podcast. 71st. Um, wow. Yes. I had my 70th yesterday. I have had three this week and I got one uh, next week um, where I'm able to tell people you don't have to go to hell. It's uh, there's a whole big movement out there now, Jason, it's called deconstruction of religion. And it's about us people who were taught as children, certain truths and uh, how we have to come look at those again with adult eyes now and question what we were taught. Right. Things didn't, you know, don't make sense. You're never the same once you, you know, when I got to heaven, I mean, when I finally got to heaven, it was mind blowing. I didn't have a mind, so it could be blown. Um, you're, so <laughs> full, you're so full of love um, and enjoy that if you had a body, it would explode, it would just explode. And it was just, Heavenly. It, it, there's no words. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. Euphoria. I couldn't remember. Huh? Oh, Euphoria. yeah. Bliss. But it's that joy. It's like everything that ever happened to you from your first birthday party on up that was great. Just multiply it by a million. You know, it, and you don't want to leave. So the weird thing was uh, my friend who had died the month before was there to greet me. Wow. And um, at first I thought, oh, shoot, he doesn't know he's dead. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to tell you're him. You're okay if you let one of those shits slip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, I was really like, because uh, I really, up to that point, I still didn't know I was dead or on the other side. Right. So he's laughing. And I thought he, he heard my, he heard me and I didn't say that out loud. And I thought, oh, shoot, if he's dead, I must be dead. And oh, is that like the best news I ever got? I am dead. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I said, don't just stand there, you know, show me something. Let's go do some stuff. I, you know, you're there with your best friend. And we were engaged for seven years. I mean, you know, I love this guy. And he just said, now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do. Uh-oh. More side quests. <laughs> I said, they're throwing me out. I'm getting the bums rush. I said, no, 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 no. Poof. Um, yeah. Uh, they gave did me you wake from your coma instantly after that? No. You know, God's kind. He put me in a timeout. You know, he, he, <laughs> he, knew, he knew I was not in any shape to to, to talk to humans at that point. So it's, it's you like, sit here and you analyze what just well, happened. Well, no, I, I went to this really pretty valley and then I walked along this stream and I walked down the stream and I met some people who gave me messages and, and all that stuff. And then I woke up in okay. the hospital, uh, bright lights one more time. Um, weird people wandering around yelling, yay, mom's back. Uh, <laughs> who are these people, you know? And, and I couldn't move at all. I couldn't talk. And How long were you under? Almost three weeks. Almost three so weeks. I had a nasal tube. I So they gave me Ensure for three weeks. Try that for a fast diet. I weighed that 86 pounds. right in your stomach, huh? Yeah. 86 pounds, no muscle mass. That's why I couldn't move. I could, I could move this finger and blink. 
that was it. Wow. And uh, so anyway, they're all, they're so thrilled. <laughs> they're so thrilled. And my mother later on says, uh, you saw Patrick. That was his name. You saw Patrick when you were gone. I saw you. And I says, I, I just kind of looked at her because I couldn't talk yet. And she says, because you always just laid there with no expression at all. And that one day I was talking to you and all of a sudden your face just glowed and you were trying to talk. And I said to you, Patrick, you send her back. You can't have her yet. And I, if I could have gotten out of that bed, I'd have strangled my own mother. Just strangled her. <laughs> ah, I did not want to be back. And it took, uh, I was there, I was in the ICU almost three weeks. And then uh, another week I had to stay. Then I had to go to a physical rehab facility for a month every day to, I, 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 your muscle mass, there's muscle memory in there. And I, I couldn't, I had to learn how to eat, uh, swallow, uh, crawl, walk, wow. uh, everything. I, I, I was like a baby. I had no memory of how to do any of that stuff. Going on up the stairs terrified me because I couldn't get my foot to go up. I couldn't remember how to do it. Crawl. I couldn't do anything. It was awful. It was very humiliating. Awful. And I was a very independent person, and this just was not my idea of a good time. No wonder why you wanted to strangle your mother. Yeah, bring him <laughs> it's in. It's a lot. Don't All you? Right. I said, don't you ever. Later on, I said, don't you ever do that again. She says, honey, don't worry, we won't. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was very ungracious about the whole whole prayer thing. Now, so, after you, after you woke up and you went on this uh, journey of realization, did it change your religious aspects? Oh, yeah. I liken it to uh, my my religion was this huge iceberg and it just started to melt. This didn't make sense anymore. I couldn't say those prayers, you know, that wait to the last judgment. There's not going to be a last judgment. They only have a, a life review. Nobody judges you. I, you know, in the resurrection of the dead, get your body back here. No, nobody wants a body once you've been in spirit. And where do you put them in heaven? I mean, so it was like, I don't know. I was like devastated. Uh, luckily, I found other people that are in the same boat. So I'm really almost in the majority now, or it's getting close to a tipping point of, of so they, we're, we're spiritual, not religious. Religion is so exclusive and, and you have to do this rules, man-made rules. Right. Uh, the Bible, you know, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> it's it's just, yeah, you're changed. Once you've, once, see, you don't need faith anymore. That's cool because you know. Right. You know, you know God. You know what God's like. You know what heaven's like. You know what the, oh, there's so many NDEers that spent, I mean, what felt like years up there for them. I felt like I was there about two years. You know, there's no time there. It's all just now. Yeah. But there's yeah, people. Time is that, just a, a thing for Earth. It just stops, you know. And so, I mean, people have seen the Akashic Records. There's colleges. You, you go to different planets. Oh, there's a lot of reincarnation going on, which the Catholics said, no, 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 no. Of course, the early Catholics taught that there was, you know, not Catholics, Christians. Um, so, yes, there's been a lot of changes. And the family still doesn't, doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, how do you feel about it now? How do you, what do you take away from this journey? I think it was a a, a blessing. It really was a blessing. And it was, you know, again, us um, formerly dead people really believe now that we choose our lives. We choose to come down from heaven. We're all just pieces of God. We're all spirit. And when we go back, we're all just spirit again. Um, we choose what we want to learn. 
because it's kind of boring. I think a little bit boring in heaven sometimes because you're everybody's perfect. Everybody's thinking the same thoughts. And um, I, I'm, I'm exaggerating there. I'm, nobody's bored, but, but you want to come down and you want to do something a little different and, and you pick your soulmates and, and you say, okay, I'll be your dad. You'd be, you know, my teacher in college. And, and, and I want to learn this, this, and this, and, and we'll get together. And, and like you and I now see, I believe that you and I were soulmates and we said, well, we're not going to really intersect much in this lifetime, but we'll, we'll touch base at least once. So, I think we just touch base. <laughs> it's so much, so so much a freer existence now, knowing that I planned everything. I'm not a victim anymore. Why does this happen to me? Why did that happen to me? I planned it, and uh, I wanted to learn something. And so, I, I'm not. I try very hard. God gave me this little sentence to say. I try to be loving, kind, merciful, forgiving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. And that's how I live my life. That's the only words I need. And that's really what the Bible is trying to teach people. But it, uh, they kind of take it a little too far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I tend to note it. Well, my 35 years living, uh, I've <laughs> noticed for a while that the majority of the. I don't even know how to put it in a good way, but they're, they're a lot of the the deeply religious people are some of the most hateful people on this planet. Unforgiving. Right. It's metal. And it sucks. It Not sucks. Good. It, it shouldn't be that way. No. Um, what, what is something that you can, what, what is the message that you can give the listeners today uh, from what you took away from this? What, what, what can they, uh, what can they take away from your lesson? Uh, that God is love. One of the first things I learned as a kindergartner is, is, is who is God? God is love. Where is God? God is everywhere. And, and God will not judge. It's very hard for people to wrap their minds around that. But, but God is not Santa Claus. You know, if you pray to God to change something, uh, the message I got back from him one time was, Kathy, you planned all these things for a reason. Now you're to trying to ask me to change it. I gave you free will and... I don't want to interfere. Uh, you, you know, you wanted to do this and I'm not going to, I'm not going to ruin it so that you have to come back and learn it again. But, uh, you know, so God's not Santa Claus. God loves us unconditionally. Uh, the only story in the Bible I really love is the prodigal son. Ah, uh, that, that one gets me, you know, no matter what God loves you, you cannot, you cannot chase God away because you are part of God and you belong home. So um, I think lighten up, enjoy life. If you can remember to be loving and kind, those are the two things. You set that intention and, and we'll, all, we'll all meet up and have a good laugh later together. We certainly will. But before we uh, say goodbye for tonight, before, <laughs> before uh, our souls will have to meet again, <laughs> why don't you tell us how the hell did you get out of hell? Um, actually it was, uh, in the last place I had been, uh, attacked by some zombie horrible creatures and, um, zombies, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you too much of that on TV. I watched as a kid. Um, yeah, they, they, they were very, really awful. And I ended up in a, uh, cabin in the middle of 
hell uh, waiting for customers with a lot of other ladies who were in a bad space. Anyway, I said to the demon lady who was in charge of us, I said, you know, I've been here a long time. This seems like a particularly dark, heavy, heavy day. Is something happening I don't know about? She's, oh, well, you know, it's Christmas on earth. That's always the worst day in hell. And I thought, Bling, hell, that was the first time it dawned on me where I probably was. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm I'm not going to give up. So I started singing a Christmas carol. And I my favorite was Away in a Manger, No Crib for His Bed, The Little Lord. And as I started to say the next word, she leapt at me screaming, shut up. And I closed my eyes. And that's when I woke up in heaven. So Christmas carols always work, but not Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Ah, uh, why not Rudolph? <laughs> <laughs> what about Frosty? Will Frosty get me out of hell? Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, a matter of don't go there. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get a bumper sticker. You know, skip the trip. You don't have to go. And that's the message. That's a great bumper sticker. Skip <laughs> the trip. You don't have to go. Hell is where we're talking. Yes, yes. For sure. Well, Kathy, thank you very much for coming on and spreading oh, the word of uh, your journey through hell. It's it's very enlightening, and I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. Well, the book uh, talks about my me and my crazy family and who I was before and during and the, the whole hell thing and, and afterwards and what I've learned. And it's misfit in hell because I didn't fit in and have an expat because I'm an expatriate here doing my work. And when I'm done, I'll get to go home and we're all heaven expats. Well, hopefully it is not too soon. <laughs> that wasn't a you. nice thing to say. <laughs> no, I, we don't want you to go home too soon. We I know. I know. And spread your word. Unfortunately, I've had a couple psychic see me in, in my 80s and 90s. So I'm not packing my bag yet. Good. So you're definitely going to make it to 100 episodes. <laughs> That's my goal. <laughs> you're almost there. Are you going to try to go past 100? Oh, yeah. Once I get to 100, it'll be 200. And will you be writing another book? Now, I know it's not going to be a sequel because we don't want you to make this journey again. <laughs> no. But... Where else would I go next? I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's, if I plan to write another book, I'll write another book. I don't, I, I, I don't know. They didn't let me. It's cheating when they let you know what your your plans are. You know, right, because then we wouldn't have for. free will. I'd love it if that thing was that book was made into a movie. I think it'd be a great movie. Well, from your uh, ears to God's, uh, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Whatever that saying is, yes. Right. Yeah. out there want to make a movie that you know? <laughs> I, think that, I think it would be cool. Yeah. The the movie at uh, the book. The book's got a lot of humor in it. You can tell I'm I'm not a very serious person. So uh, that's uh, this. At the very out. least, you should be able to get a Netflix special. Yeah. I mean, they they're doing NDE stuff all the time. Even Gaia. Right. I, I I dropped a note to Gaia too. See that that would be a hell of a TV show. Okay. I would love to see every episode uh one of your flashes into the next room. That's how it ends, that's how it begins. Yes. Okay, well, you'll have to be on on the uh, crew then somehow. Most definitely. Let's get okay. together and write this script. It's a date. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a Jason. lot, Kathy. Until our souls meet again. You have a okay. great night and thank you, you for too. being on. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.
Stay tuned for us tomorrow night in the break room. We're going to ask the biggest question in modern history. Did the MCU ruin superhero movies? Did it? Did it not? I don't think so. Talon does. We're brought to you by Dizzle and Heaven's Pantry. Go get yours now. Later.